0: To mask or not to mask, questions like that, and whether schools should reopen in the fall or bars and restaurants should be opening their doors now, they touch almost every aspect of our lives. But when you drill down, they're all really about something none of us want to talk about, death. Even as the COVID death count in America has reached nearly 140,000, our national conversation has, in some ways, skirted the issue. Sure, it comes up, usually as a statistic in debates about other issues, like education or the economy. But everything we do in this crisis is about how much effort we put into preventing deaths in our communities. More specifically, whether we should allow some people, in particular older people, to die in lieu of the rest of us making certain sacrifices. But this is nothing new. We've been avoiding conversations about mortality for a long time. Today, we're talking to someone with a unique perspective on death, someone who sees it as more than a tragic, inevitable ending, someone who thinks it's important for us to acknowledge that it hangs over us all the time.
1: Death is playing an enormous role and taking up an enormous amount of mental energy in our lives, and it's important to acknowledge that and it's important to engage that.
0: From Neon Hum Media, this is Telescope. I'm your host, Jonathan Hirsch. And Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we're going to bring you stories of people who are far away, up close, and how each of us are learning to live through this pandemic. Producer Tanner Robbins has this
2: story. Caitlin Doty is a funeral director at Clarity Funeral Home in Los Angeles. She's only 36 years old, but in the last decade or so, Caitlin has dressed, embalmed, and cremated hundreds of dead people. If you've had the misfortune of losing a loved one, you may still have no idea what happens to the body after a person dies. The funeral process kind of happens in secret. It's opaque. And most Americans, at least, seem to like it that way. But Caitlin wants to change all of that.
1: I started a movement called Death Positive, which sounds especially salacious during a pandemic. What do you mean, death positive? How could you be positive about death at all? And death positive, to be clear, doesn't mean we're happy that people are dying. It just means we are very pro-radical awareness about death and the effect that death has on our psyches.
2: Caitlin thinks America's stiff upper lip approach to grieving the deceased has allowed us to avoid some difficult conversations.
1: I would say that Americans have the most toxic relationship with death of anyone in the world. What America is doing, which is a culture of silence and a culture of high cost funerals, low family interaction, is doing us a profound
2: disservice. Simply put, she thinks we're not allowing ourselves to come to terms with death. And that the funeral industry is taking advantage, bilking grieving families out of cash while shielding them from the responsibilities that really should belong to them.
1: Family should be the ones taking care of the bodies. Family should be the ones helping to dig the grave and putting the dirt into the grave. They should be pushing the body into the cremation machine and pushing the start button. They should be taking locks of hair and making flower wreaths and and holding hands and dressing the body, being as
2: brutally present as possible. What Caitlin is saying terrifies me. It sounds so backwards that I should be the one digging the hole that my mother will rest in for eternity when all I want is nothing more than to bring her back? How can I be expected to shoulder my grief and the shovel that buries her? Caitlin believes that taking an active role in the funeral helps families process their grief. It gives them an opportunity to be with their loved one in a private and intimate way before they have to say their final goodbye. And it gives families more power over how a body is taken care of. And that, to Caitlin, is a good death. It might sound strange, but up until the early 1900s, families were responsible for taking care of their dead. They couldn't pass the body off to an undertaker, and they wouldn't have wanted to. Death positivity isn't about going back to the old way of doing things, though. It's about making death more personal. Caitlin doesn't want families to miss the opportunity to wrestle with their own mortality while they give their mother, let's say, the funeral she would have wanted.
1: They may want to do mom's hair. They may want to do mom's lipstick just like she liked it. They may want to paint her nails just like she liked it. They may want to put her favorite jewelry on. They may want to sing her favorite songs or tell stories about her. And it's just about... Being present with the dead body as a powerful reminder that you will one day die and that this person who is so important to you is no longer here.
2: If the idea of putting lipstick on your dead mother is creepy, consider that the funeral home would be doing it anyway, just without you. Caitlin simply wants to give people the agency to make decisions about their own mother, no matter how hard it might be. Caitlin learned early on that most people struggle with conversations about death because, well, it's scary to think about.
1: I had a somewhat traumatic introduction to death when I was a young child, about eight. I was at my local shopping mall and I saw a young child fall from the big second-story balcony and hit the ground below. And it was incredibly traumatic and difficult. And I did not feel like there was a lot of support for me. Not necessarily from my parents, but just from my culture. Nobody was talking about what that would be and what that would mean.
2: Caitlin had so many questions. Like, what happens when we die? Where do we go? Am I going to die? And what will happen to my body then?
1: I had no idea what went on behind the scenes. I had no idea what happened to a dead body after it died.
2: At eight, Caitlin was wrestling with her own mortality without any guidance. Because even the adults around her couldn't face it. Still, we can't face it. American society has built-in ways to avoid these conversations. You can hear it in the language we use, like, she's passed on, or... He's in a better place now. But recent months have forced us to reckon with death in a way that only major crises like natural disasters, wars, and viruses like COVID-19 can do. Death in large quantities. And not a day passes when the specter of death isn't hanging over all the little things we do daily. Who we meet, where we go, what we touch, who we touch. COVID has made death a more present concern.
1: The pandemic is not only exposing all these latent fears that we have about death, but also showing us the the behind-the-scenes of death in a way that a lot of Americans in the last century have just learned to entirely ignore or learned to entirely suppress.
2: In April, images of bodies stacked in refrigerated trucks flooded the news as New York City faced the brunt of COVID-19. In a viral video, one Brooklyn resident couldn't believe what he was seeing.
0: This is live from Brooklyn, New York. Brooklyn Hospital, they're putting bodies in the the back of a freezer truck, y'all. This is for real. This is for real, y'all.
2: And it kind of freaked people out. They thought, is that going to happen to me if I die?
1: I was not surprised to see people of course be incredibly afraid to all of a sudden see bodies in trucks. Even though as a funeral professional, when I saw that, I was happy that they were doing that. I don't want bodies rotting in the streets. I want them labeled and neatly piled in a refrigeration unit until such time that they can be cremated or buried. That's incredibly positive to me. That's what should be happening.
2: Those trucks were being filled with fathers and mothers, sons and daughters, aunts, uncles, cousins. To many, it felt almost unjust, amoral. But the reality is those refrigerated trucks were preventing a much less dignified outcome.
1: Refrigerated storage is is crucial and the fact that we now have it is changing this pandemic from absolute chaos and mass graves, which it would have been in the past, to a relatively ordered situation. I think people freak out when they see those images because they are not aware of what goes on at all behind the scenes in the death industry. There are huge cold storage units with bodies stacked up. They're neat, they're labeled, but there are bodies stacked up in cold storage units all over the country right now.
2: Caitlin thinks if we were a little more familiar with the process, we wouldn't be freaked out by what for funeral homes is business as usual. That's what death positivity requires. It's awareness. It's saying,
1: oh my gosh, I didn't even understand all of these things were going on. I didn't even understand the way that death was working. I didn't understand that when the man who is homeless on the corner dies, something happens with his body. And it's governmental and it's bureaucratic. And having those understandings is opens you up to understanding more about the structure of society.
2: Breaking the taboo around death is the first step towards creating a more equitable funeral system for everyone. Caitlin wants us to be closer to our dead. COVID-19, however, has created new barriers to that goal.
1: I always know that somebody could die that I love, that my parents could die, that my partner could die. I know these things. But I always can keep in mind, okay, but then I would tend to their body and I would be physically present and I know how I can work out my grief because I've seen other people do it. But there was a moment, maybe in April or so, when I realized my parents live in Hawaii. I grew up in Hawaii. They're still there. They weren't even letting people in. I was like, if my mom or dad gets COVID and dies, I will not be able to care for their body.
2: It's unimaginably painful to Caitlin that she wouldn't be able to give her own mother and father a good death to make sure their body is cared for as they would have wished. Even if she could fly to Hawaii, there's no guarantee she'd be able to spend time with them before they're laid to rest. In March, things got so bad that Caitlin's funeral home, the aptly named Clarity Funerals, was forced to make the unimaginable a reality.
1: Around March, when things started closing down because of coronavirus, we had to stop offering in-person viewings and in-person witness cremations at our funeral home. And for us, because that's what we specialize in, and that's what we want to offer families more than anything, that was an incredibly hard two months or so. To have a family call and say, dad died, time to come in, time to be present with him, and to have to say no? We've never had to say no, ever.
2: It's been gutting. Caitlin's life's work has been to make more people comfortable being in the room with their dead loved ones. So having to turn them away is especially difficult. But don't get the wrong idea. Caitlin emphasizes it's not because of the bodies, it's the living who are truly dangerous right now. She doesn't want her funeral home to cause more unnecessary death. But like with everything during this pandemic, people are finding some solace online.
1: There's uh, people who create little cemeteries and memorials in Animal Crossing. There are people who are doing, you know, Zoom funerals and all these things. And I, and I think that, on one hand, as someone who's very into presence with the dead body. I don't want everything to go online, but I do think that it shows the intense desire that people have to be present and to be mourning and to be expressing their grief.
2: Reckoning with death is something many of us never do until it's too late. We deny the truth even as we know it can and it will come for us. Ignoring death also means not preparing for it ahead of time. And making it harder to have a good death.
1: And why are people not having the good deaths? And that's what we need to excavate.
2: And a little digging? It reveals something about our society that's become clearer than ever lately. The whole system just isn't fair. Things that should be equal just aren't.
1: Why are people of color dying disproportionately in the pandemic? why do certain people in the medical system get a good death and other people don't? Why do certain people get to die on hospice with a lute playing in the corner and other people don't? That's the kind of work that we need to be doing because until we're interrogating society in the way that it's set up to where some people can't even die well, they live hard and then they can't even die in a nice safe way and let their community take care of their body, that's a real problem, and that reflects very negatively on our society.
2: Around the same time the news was breaking about refrigerated trucks in New York, there were also stories about mass graves. Some of them featured images of cardboard coffins being stacked in long trenches on Hart Island, just off the coast of the Bronx.
0: So many people are dying in New York City due to coronavirus complications that the morgues are crowded to the point where new graves are being dug off Hart Island, near the Bronx. Crews are burying unclaimed bodies that have been at the morgue for more than two weeks.
1: It is where New York buries their unclaimed dead. So if you cannot afford a funeral or you do not have any family, you go to Heart Island. And they've always done what are called trench burials, which just instead of individually digging grave plots, they dig a large horizontal trench and then line the boxes up one by one in the trench to be able to save that, that labor uh, to do it all
2: at once. Heart Island is, in fact, a cemetery. It's likely where the body of a homeless person who dies in New York ends up, along with any other deceased body that isn't claimed, that doesn't belong to someone else or isn't identified. Right or wrong, it's not something to be feared. It's part of an intentional system, one that we set up because of tragedies like the 1918 flu pandemic, one aimed at preventing bodies from rotting in the streets and one that has proven critical of late.
1: And yes, the number of unclaimed and indigent dead have gone up in the pandemic because deaths in general have gone up in places like New York during the pandemic. So it's not that strange that there would be more people to be buried there. But what's different is the drones and the attention and the like, what is going on here? Like, well, what's going on is what, is normally going on, but at a higher rate because, oh, right, there's this pandemic.
2: To Caitlin, it's more shocking and telling of our priorities that we've been able to ignore these burials up until the pandemic. But in the last month or two, our conversation about death has changed.
1: You have some people who are going, wait a second, This is showing me that my relationship with death is very fraught. I need to work on it. I need to overthrow the system that's in place. I need to change how we do death. And then you have other people who are saying, I have to push it so far down that I can go to an indoor event in the middle of a pandemic.
2: So what's the solution? How do we become less numb to the rising death count in our country? Those numbers are actually people with names, dreams, families. But we just look at the news every day and note the uptick, big some days, small other days, and get on with it. There is a sort of silver lining though. Nobody is saying that there is some bright side to a global pandemic, but Caitlin does see benefits in the way this virus has laid bare so many problems.
1: What's positive about this situation is in so many areas of our lives, we've started to go, hey, wait a second, these systems don't work for everyone. These systems don't work for workers. These systems don't work for people who are unemployed right now. These systems don't work for people who are doing childcare. There are so many systems in our country that are not built for equality for everyone and are not built in the best way. And I think that right now we can say, hey, wait a second, the funeral industry is also not working for all of us. With all of this pain and all of this death, we've realized we want something better for ourselves. We want a different system. We don't want to pay $10,000 for a funeral, especially if we're low income. We don't want to be shut out of the funeral process.
2: We want more. COVID-19 is giving people the awareness and opportunity to reform some of the systems that are creating inequalities in the funeral industry and beyond. And that gives Caitlin hope.
1: I am ready to see what this younger generation comes out of this like and what kind of activism and advocacy and relationship with death they will have. Because I know that, of course, parents are afraid and they want to... Say immediately, my kids are gonna be damaged by this and they're gonna be traumatized by this. And that may indeed be true, but I'm also interested to see the resilience that comes out of it and the new attitudes towards death that comes out of it.
2: 2020 is yearning, screaming really, for change. You can see it in the news, in the streets, in the hospitals, in the Capitol. Caitlin is hopeful that the grief of this moment will cure us of our death anxiety and bring us a few steps closer to reckoning with how we can ensure that everyone can have a good death, both before their last breath and after.
1: I hope that this younger generation is going to push whatever advocacy myself and my colleagues have done even further. Because if they can say, I essentially grew up, in the middle of a pandemic and in all this death. And that has made me feel this, wanna do this, wanna change this, wanna overthrow this system. I'm all for it. So I, I wanna have a more hopeful sense of what their connection with death can
2: possibly, how it can possibly lead to change. Caitlin continues to advocate for death positivity on her website, The Order of the Good Death, and in her practice as a funeral director. Although COVID-19 initially took some of the intimacy away from Caitlin's funeral home, for the moment, she started allowing visitations again. Caitlin is doing everything she can to make sure families can see their dead loved ones, care for them before they're laid to rest, and hopefully gain some peace in the process.
1: And that's what ritual offers us, is an opening and a closing.
0: Thanks to Caitlin Doty for speaking to us. Before we leave you today, I want to let you know, if you didn't already, that Neon Hum does a lot of other things besides Telescope. We're producing a whole series of original shows that are coming out this fall, and we've recently partnered with a number of media organizations to produce shows like Motive for Murder with NBC and Dateline. If you're interested in other projects that Neon Hum has under our belt, you can go to our website, neonhum.com, and sign up for our newsletter. You'll find interesting behind-the-scenes detail about the stories we do here on Telescope, but you'll also hear about all the other great shows that we have for you. So check us out, neonhum.com. Telescope is made possible by the world-class team of producers, editors, and engineers that make up Neon Hum Media. I'm proud to work with each and every one of you. John Asante is the managing producer of Telescope. Today's episode was reported and produced by Tanner Robbins. Our editors are Vikram Patel and Catherine St. Louis. Our engineer is Scott Somerville. Thanks to Matt McGinley for our theme music and to Blue Dot Sessions for additional tracks here on this episode. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Neon hum Media. Join us on Facebook by searching for Telescope. And be sure to share your stories with us. Our DMs are open. I'm Jonathan Hirsch. We'll see you on Wednesday.